Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 24. I'll be there in just a few minutes. But first of all, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been driving in an unfamiliar city, trying to get somewhere, trying to get there quickly, and you make a turn, but when you make that turn, you realize you're on a one-way street going the wrong direction. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, and so what do you do? Do you keep driving that one direction, and horns are honking at you, and you're dodging? No, you're going to make a U-turn as quickly as you can, one and that would be so powerfully that any NASCAR driver would think that you're doing, driving the Poconos today and doing a great job. But in life... Uh, Sometimes in our spiritual life, uh, we start going the wrong direction. Sometimes because of poor decisions or disappointment, and that disappointment leads to discouragement, and that discouragement leads to a hopelessness, and then we get to the point that we just say, you know what, I'm just going to give up. I thought I could do this. I thought I could be a Christ follower, but it's not working in my life. You know, I thought if I started volunteering and serving and tithing and giving and, and attending church, it would all work. But it seems like that nothing's working in my life. And you know what? I'm just going to go back in the direction that I came from to a safe place before I met Jesus. But I want you to know today that if that's you, today's teaching is just for you. Several weeks ago, the Lord took me into this passage that I'm going to look at today and showed me a lot of stuff that I've really never even seen before because I think so much of what he wants to say to you is that he specializes in U-turns. He specializes in helping us if we're going in the wrong direction to turn around and to begin going in the right direction. And I'm so thankful that God allows U-turns. Just anybody here, you ever gone away Moving from where you used to be with God, it's kind of moving away, maybe little by little, and all of a sudden, He comes to you, and you make a U-turn and start coming back to Him as fast as you ever. If that's been you, would you give a hand clap, a hallelujah, a yay, man? I'm so glad that God allows U-turns. So I've got encouragement for you today. So I want to look at a couple of guys in Luke chapter 24 that needed to make a U-turn. They were walking away. They were followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. And on the resurrection day, when everybody was excited in Jerusalem because Jesus was resurrected, these guys who had been followers of Jesus were walking away from him. They were walking back to their hometown. They were walking back to a safe place. And so I think they'll speak to us today. So I want to read a long passage of Scripture, so I hope you'll follow along with me, okay? Luke chapter 24, begin reading at verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day. That same day means the resurrection day. They were traveling the day of the resurrection, not towards Jerusalem, but they were traveling away. Isn't it interesting how that we pray and we believe for a breakthrough from God, 
And just on the day that it's ready to happen, or on the day that we're so close for it to happen, we give up and we turn our back and we start walking away. So they were walking away to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, is northwest of Jerusalem. And they talked together. Would you circle that word, those two phrases, they talked together. In other words, they were trying to figure out really what had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned. I like that word reasoned, underline that. They were conversing and reasoning. They were trying to figure out something. Just like somebody here today, you've been trying to reason and figure out where you are right now and why you're at the place you are. In fact, this week you've said, I, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how I am at the place that I am right now. And you've been trying to figure it out. You've been trying to reason it out. While they were doing that, Jesus drew near. And he went with them. I like that phrase, he went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they didn't know him. They couldn't recognize Jesus. And he said to him, what kind of conversation is this that you have one another as you're walking and you're sad? Listen, this is resurrection day. But they're sad. Andrea said it earlier, you know, uh, you may be here and you've been beat up all week and you're drooping and you're sad and downcast. But there are other people here today during that, word, that last song. Wasn't that a great song? Wasn't that a great thing? Just worshiping, feeling God. But yet you're sad and you're downcast. Well, you're at the right place today. You've turned into the right studio today, the right place today, because God's got something special to say to you. Aren't you thankful he does that for us? Aren't you thankful he finds us exactly where we are? So he was walking with them and and uh, then one whose name was Cleopas, who's actually Joseph's brother. Joseph, the father of Jesus, the natural father, not the real father, the earthly father. This is his brother, Cleo, all right? And so, there went, and so Cleo says to him, are you the stranger in Jerusalem and you've not known these things? And, he, and Jesus says, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. I love this, it's so cool. They're trying to teach Jesus now about Jesus of Nazareth. Don't, don't you just love this, all right? Like we're trying to tell Jesus what he should be doing, right, you know? Lord, if you really knew how to handle this situation, this is how you'd do it, right? I was talking to the Lord this morning on the way to church, and I said, Lord, I'm just going to ask you to move this, whatever it was. Just move it, Lord. If you love me, I'm going to ask you to move it. And then I just, I just sort of felt just a humorous thing because I'm going to share a verse with you in a minute. And when I get to that verse, you'll know the verse that I was talking, the Lord talked to me about. And then I just started laughing. I said, okay, you win. Yeah, you, I, won't, I won't tell you how to do your business, okay? And so they began to talk about that chief priest and all that. Verse 21, but we were hoping. Would you underline that? We were hoping. We really hoped that, that this was going to work. When I started tithing, I really hoped they would help me. When I started serving, I thought it would really help me. When I started coming to church, I thought it would really help me. I had, I had hope uh, that he was going to redeem Israel. Verse 22, and certain of the women who arrived at the tomb today uh, said he's not there, he's alive. Uh, isn't it interesting? They're saying to Jesus, we hope that he would be the one. And, and we're trying to reason why things are going bad, but yet today, the day we're walking away is the days that the ladies went to the tomb, and he's not there. Verse 25, and he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart, 
to believe in all the prophets have spoken? Ought not Christ to have suffered the things that to enter into the glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near the village. They've been walking for seven miles. And uh, Jesus sort of pretended like he was just going to go on farther. But they constrained him and said, abide with us. Uh, that's a good place to underline right there, abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, notice, they didn't do this, he did it. He took the bread, blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to them. Wasn't that exactly what's happened to his body? Then, look at this, then their eyes were open. He didn't teach them anything else, but in that event in which we celebrate every first Wednesday, and that's what we'll do here first Wednesday of this, this coming week, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him, and then boom, he vanished. I just, I mean, when you look at this, don't you think, when I get to heaven, I want to see this video. <laughs> their eyes open, they get a revelation of who Jesus really is, and then boom, he's not there anymore. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road when he opened the scriptures to us? I'm praying today that the scriptures, just reading the scriptures, will burn in our heart, burn deep into our heart, burn the dross away, burn all the confusion away, and we'll leave today saying, man, wasn't that a powerful passage of scripture? Didn't Jesus speak to us? Wow. So they rose up that very hour and returned seven miles back to Jerusalem in the middle of the night, which is very dangerous, to where the other 11 were. And they gathered together and said, hey, the Lord is risen indeed. And as appeared Simon, and they told about all the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Something so powerful happens during the Lord's Supper. Then as he said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, peace be you. He didn't take the door. He didn't take the window. He just showed up. So as we look at this, I'm thinking of, as I've been studying this now for several weeks, I thought, in, in Jerusalem is all the hoopla. The disciples are gathered together with others. The stories are going, he's not there. He's, he's not there. Didn't he say he would do that? Man, it's wonderful. I wonder what's going to happen next. The church is alive and vibrant. Everybody's happy. They're looking up. Man, when's he going to show up? And hey, we're going to see his resurrected body. It's going to be so often. But he delays. Look at this. He delays the spectacular revelation of his resurrected body to that group of church people that were gathering there, and he intentionally walks on a journey to intercept two men that have been losing their hope and walking away from Jesus. I love that. You know what that says to me today? You may be walking away from him. You may have snuck in here today. You thought you were going to hide out. You're going to leave early so nobody will bother you. You're not even going to take notes because you don't want to get too much of the word into you. But you know what? He snuck up on you already. He's already speaking to you by his Holy Spirit saying, you may think you're running away from me. You may think you're too far gone from me. But I'm going to sit down right beside you. And I'm going to be there today. And I'm going to let my word come alive in your heart. Amen. Amen, amen. You see, they were lost and didn't know it. You say, well, how were they were lost? This is how, look on the screen. It might be a good screenshot you want to take a picture of. They were lost in the past. They were blind to the present. And they were hopeless about the future. That's a picture of somebody here today. You're lost in the past. 
You're sitting here today and you're remembering how it used to be, how you used to be, what you used to believe, how, the confidence that you had, and, and you think, you know, it just, it just went away from me. I failed God. I, I did too many things wrong. And you're blind to the present. You don't even see. You don't even see. Jesus was with them, but they couldn't even recognize him. He's here today, and maybe you're saying, I don't even recognize him. And, you say, and then they were hopeless to the future. They felt like, well, he might do it for somebody else, but he's certainly not going to do it for me. Now, notice the direction they're walking. They're walking towards the sunset. They're walking towards the west. Emmaus is northwest of Jerusalem, about seven miles. Uh, William Barclay said this, Walking in this direction towards Emmaus says to me, they thought the sun was setting on their dream, and they were walking away. There's somebody here today, instead of walking towards Jesus, you've been walking away from him because you feel like the dream that you had, the hope that you had, the joy that you had is in the past and it'll never happen. You've gone too far, but I'm going to tell you, you're never too far from when he wants to come. They were walking towards Emmaus. You know what the word Emmaus means? You might want to write this down. The word Emmaus means obscure or despised. They were leaving the place of the resurrection and the life, and they were going to a place of obscurity and a place that was despised. You don't want to be there today, do you? You don't want to be there. So as I started studying this several weeks ago, and as I've, I've been in the ministry over 50 years, and I've, I've seen this happen to people. I've seen people that I thought, man, they're going to they're gonna win the world for Jesus. Man, they got everything going. And then they lose their hope or they get discouraged, they get depressed, they, they don't understand what God's doing, they think that they, they've misunderstood, and they start walking away from Jesus, walking away. And you try to encourage them, okay, you need to come back to church, yeah, I know, I need, yeah, hey, you need to get back, yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But their back is still towards Jerusalem, walking towards Emmaus, walking to a place of being despised, and they despise their own life. So I began asking the Lord, Lord, what was it? What was the reason that these guys walked away? And what are the reasons that you walk away or are walking away from the Lord? And here's the first one. Here's the first one. When we walk by feelings and not by faith. When we walk by feelings and not by faith. And they said to one another, their conversation is this, uh, that they talked to one another as they were going and they were sad. They were walking away, trying to reason, trying to figure things out. But they weren't doing it according to the scriptures. They were doing it according to their intellect and their reasoning, right? I don't, I don't know what all they were saying, but I, I think they were sort of saying like this. You know, I just, you know, I really had hope. And, and I, 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 think, I think we just got carried away in the emotion of it. I, I, just, I just think, what, what do you think? What, what do you think happened? Why, you know, in the midst of all this, and, and so they began to talk back and forth of what they think. We live in a world today in which that social media is so full of people that want to tell you how they think, right? And they think their thinking is profound, and they've just got to tell somebody, right? And so here's what they'll say. I think the president should, I think the Congress should, I think... Jesus should. I think, what do you think? Yeah, I hear people come up to me and say, you know, well, we're in a crisis here, you know, and what all the, you know, and you want to know what I think? And I say, no, I don't really care what you think. I really don't. 
Because I get confused sometimes when I'm listening to what you think. That's why this book is so dear to me. I want to know what he thinks. I want to be into his word to know what he thinks. Because you see, that makes, that makes all the difference. Now here's the verse that I told you a minute ago. The Lord dropped in my heart right down by the drugstore when I was driving this morning and praying, asking God to move something. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts, it's not on the screen, but you know this scripture. For my thoughts are not what? Your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isn't that amazing? We're living in a world today in which people are challenging the very biblical tenets of the faith. Well, I think that if you find somebody you really love, it's all right to live together. It's all right to have sex. Yeah, I know what Jesus said about lust and all that. But I think in my situation, he understands. Now, isn't that the most asinine thing you've ever heard in your life? He says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And then you're bringing, well, you know, I think that homosexuality is all right. You know, people, you know, brought up in such a way. And, you know, I, I think watching pornography is all right. My wife doesn't satisfy me. And, and I think God understands that. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think. God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than yours. See, so when, when I begin to reason in my own knowledge, I get myself in trouble, and I find myself going through the same circle over and over and over and over again. You see, people say, oh, I just want God's favor in my life. I want, I want his favor. I want his, I, I want his guidance. I want his direction in my life. Uh, the Lord revealed a scripture to me this week, and I've just been praying this scripture, Isaiah 66 and 2, the second part of that, Isaiah 66 and 2. He says, here's who I bless, and here's who I favor. I bless and favor those who have a humble and a contrite heart. That means the opposite of being pride, prideful. That means the opposite of being saying, well, I think, I know what the Bible says, but I think, what do you think about that? You know, that's why I hate Bible studies when they start saying, well, what do you think? But it doesn't really matter what you think. Let's look at it in context first, and then we'll see how it applies to your life. But you can't figure out how it thinks until, first of all, you know what he's really saying. And that's what's so, that's what's so difficult in some Bible studies. It's all about what I think, what you think, what they think. What, it doesn't matter a flying fig what you think, really, if it's out of context of what he is thinking, right? Do you understand that? He says, I, I favor and bless those who have a humble and a contrite heart. And listen to this next part. Those who tremble at my word. Whoa, God stopped me in my tracks. And he said to me, when's the last time you trembled at reading my word? When's the last time that there was such a holy reverence and an awe over the word that you had to just put it aside and kneel down and say, oh, God, forgive me. Your word is so powerful. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. He said, I favor those who understand the power of my word, that it's not your thoughts, but it's what my thoughts are. So one of the reasons people walk away is they walk away because of feelings, not faith. Second of all, 
they begin losing hope. They walk away when they lose hope. You see, a person without hope, they, you, you just can't keep going on. You know, they lost all hope. They simply said, we were hoping that it was he that was going to redeem us there in verses 21 through 24. But it didn't. He said, we hoped in that, and then it didn't work, and we've lost hope. Another reason people walk away from God is they let their personal agenda determine expectations. They let their personal agenda determine expectations. In other words, they had a preconceived idea of what and how Jesus should do it. In other words, here's, here's the preconceived ideas. We believe the Messiah will come and he will overthrow the Roman government and he will establish us as God's people, Israel, into the fullness and we'll rule and we'll reign. And Jesus comes along and he says, I'm the suffering servant Messiah. You're never greater than when you serve. If you want to know how to be great, you'll serve. And he came and he said, I lay down my life. Nobody takes my life. I lay down my life because there's a bunch of people in Leesburg. There's a bunch of people in Leesburg at the end of May or the 1st of June, whatever this is, I have no idea, that need forgiveness. And unless I lay my life down, they don't have forgiveness. They'll just keep trying to perform and trying to perform and trying to perform. His ways are above our ways. How can you figure that before the foundation of the earth, God God said, Jesus, you're going to be the sacrificial lamb that's going to die for sin. Sin. What sin? Hasn't even come yet. But God has so prepared your destiny, my destiny, even before sin comes. He had a way out of sin. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Oh, thank God. Can you imagine one of the angels back then? I think, I, I think he's lost it. I think he's lost it. Jesus is going to be a sacrificial limb, a lamb. I, I don't see how that is. My ways are higher than yours. And he said, I favor those who tremble at my word. You see, and then they stop. Here's another reason they left. This is the next fill-in. They stop asking God for guidance. How many times do we get entangled in an ungodly relationship or commitment because we fail to ask God's guidance? Or seek guidance from spiritual leaders. There's a story in the Old Testament. I don't have time to take you there. But it's uh, Joshua 9 uh, verse 14 is the verse that I want you to look at. But you remember the story in Joshua. Joshua and Israel, the army of Israel, is taking over the promised land. They've already taken Jericho. There are five more kings that they need to conquer. And uh, the kings realize that Joshua, that God is with them. And uh, so... Joshua, they've been praying, asking God, but now they're winning. they got victories going. And so the king of Gibeah, which is just uh, about seven miles north of Jerusalem, says to his army, we are sunk. Uh, Joshua is going to defeat us. But let's practice, let's do some deception. He's got what we want, victory. He's got what we need, the favor of God. So let's pretend that we're from a nation far, far away in a galaxy unknown. And so what we'll do is that we'll put on old, ragged clothes like we've been walking for days and months. 
we'll get wineskins that are dried out that looks like that, you know, we've been walking for a while now. And then we'll get some food that's molded and crusted and dry. And then we'll come to Joshua and we'll say to Joshua, we realize and understand that your God is with you. And uh, we live a long, 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 long way away. We're not like these kings around here, but we live a long way away. And we want to cut covenant with you. We'd like to say that we want to be part of you. In other words, you see, back then when you cut covenant simply meant that if we, if we agreed and shook hands or whatever we did to cut covenant, then all of my resources and all of the favor of God that's in my life comes to you. And then whatever you got comes to me. So the king of Gibeah was bringing a defeated attitude a losing attitude. Now, here's how the story gets thicker. The other four kings hear that the king of Gibeah has now surrendered and made a covenant with Joshua. So you know what the four kings said? We're going we're gonna to get his, you know what? We're going to kill him for what he's done. So the news is out. The four kings are coming to attack you. Now notice this verse. Then the men of Israel took some of the provisions. They looked at the king of Gibeah, and they took some of the old dry-crusted bread. But look, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Joshua's going on feelings and looks. Well, they look like they're from a faraway. They said they're from a faraway distance. So I guess it would be all right to get in covenant relationship with them. I guess that'd be all right. Never asking God. That's where we get in trouble. We, we get a new business partner and we never ask God. We just go by what they say that they can bring. Or we see somebody that would be a good relationship and we just, we just go by what they say. But here's what happens. Now the king of Gibeah comes back to, to Joshua and he says, you know, really we live in Gibeah and the other four kings are really ticked off and they're coming to kick butt. They're coming to kill us. And so because we're in relationship now, that battle is your battle. Now listen to me. Young men, young warriors of Joshua's army are going to die. They're going to spend time. They're going to spend money fighting a battle that was not their battle. But because they got entangled in covenant relationship, the battle that they had to fight was somebody else's battle instead of their own. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Somebody will come to you. They look like they're a good business partner. They look like they would be, oh, he's the perfect husband. Oh, she's the hot one I want to marry. Oh, listen to, what, listen to what she says. Listen to all of those things. And you never ask God or seek godly counsel. Or you do it like this. Lord, they're the one, aren't they? I've been waiting, Lord. You said you'd send me somebody like this, and they're good. They're smart. They've got money. You know, yeah, Lord. They, and, you know, and, and they kiss good. So, Lord, I guess, I guess, I guess they're the one. Google them and check their Facebook. Oh, they can tell you all they want to, how much they love God, how much they love to come to church. And then you look at their Facebook and F this, F that, F something else. I'm going here, I'm doing that, and I'm doing something else. I'm going to tell you, you better ask God and get godly counsel before you get entangled in something that will destroy your life. Because here's what happens. Once you get in covenant relationship with them, then what they bring comes to you 
And you have to fight some of the battles that are not your battles, but are their battles. The favor of God rests on you, and they don't have that favor, and now they're going to do everything they can to suck that life out of you, and you'll find yourself saying, I can't believe I did it again. Wrong business partner, wrong relationship, wrong this, wrong something else, because we did not seek godly counsel. You can't afford to make a decision based on your needs or your sex drive without seeking God and seeking godly counsel for your life. Amen, amen. Okay, here's the good news. I got six minutes to give you the good news. Here we go. Jesus meets us where we are. Boy, aren't you thankful for that? I love this. Jesus meets us where we are. So it was while they conversed in reason, verse 15 and 16, Jesus drew near and went with them. He draws near with us physically, emotionally, and spiritually in the middle of our frustration, in the middle of our pain. He doesn't send a runner and say, hey, go find those two guys and tell them they better get their tail back here to Jerusalem right now because I'm about to reveal myself to somebody else. No, they're walking away. They're sad. They're down in the dumps. They've lost hope. Everybody else is excited, but they're not. And all of a sudden, as they're walking along, I mean, they don't even say, where'd you come from, dude? Nothing like that. But all of a sudden, he's there, and he went with them. He went with them. This is what the Lord wanted me to tell you today. He's already sat down beside you. Because he had me to prepare this teaching some five, six weeks ago. Because he knew that you needed a special visitation and a reminder that he comes to where you are. You say, well, when I, get, when I work myself better, when I get off drugs, when I, when I get out of this relationship, when I, when I start really praying again, when I start really reading the Word. No, he says, stop it, stop it, stop it. You can't earn your way into my presence. He came from heaven down to this earth to die on a cross, and we didn't deserve it, but he did it for us. He comes to where you are, walking away from him with your back towards Jerusalem, with your back towards the resurrection, with your back towards life, and he comes to where you are to walk alongside of you because he loves you too much to leave you where you are. That's a good place to say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He knows where you're heading. I mean, you can walk in here today and somebody say, how you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Jesus is fine. Man, I got the favor of God. And on the side of your life, you're thinking, I'm the biggest liar and the biggest faker in this world. I'm walking away from him. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I should be. And guess what? You don't scare him. You don't run him off. But he just comes and puts his arm around you and says, let me walk with you for a while. Here's the second thing. Jesus renews their hope. You see, he renews their hope. Biblical hope is a confident expectation. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, it's impossible to please God without what? Without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Uh, one of the church fathers, Augustine, said, faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. Wow. Would you read that with me? Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. He opens, he reestablishes their hope. How does he do that? 
Well, he bases their hope on the word. That's the next fill-in. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he begins to explain the scripture. He begins to say to them, you've got to understand what's going on in your life according to the scripture. You've got to know what the scripture says. That's where you've got to base it. Because if you base it on feelings, if you base it on I think, you're going to miss it. And then the second thing, he, it's according to God's timing. He bases the hope according to God's timing. It was, it was the perfect timing. All along, he keeps them blind to who he is. You see, he's been walking with you all this week. You just haven't seen him. But now he's showing up this morning and telling you, I've been there all week long. In the small things, in the little things that you didn't know I there. When people ask you questions and it brought you back to thinking about me, I was there in the midst of that. I've been there all along. And, and so, so he's sitting there with them now at dinner. At, at the, they're going to have the, the, the Lord's Supper. And he, not the owner of the house, not Cleo, but he, Jesus, grabs the bread, lifts it up. He blesses it. He breaks it. And he gives it to them. That's what he did with his body. He, he, he does that. And, 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 and so as, as they're doing that, as they're doing that, what he's doing is that he, he's restoring. He's restoring that hope. And then the scripture says that immediately their eyes were opened. Literally, uh, in, the, in the Greek it says, they came to fully comprehend him. Fully comprehend him. And then, boom, he disappears. Uh, that's just amazing, isn't it? Now, you say, well, how did their eyes get opened? Well, he tells us here. And then they tell us at the end. He took the bread, broke it. And when he gave it to us, we saw. We saw the scars. We saw the price that he had paid for us. And we had run away from him, had walked away from him. But he came to where he, we were. He walked seven long miles with us. He came into our house. He took the bread, and he symbolically gave it to us. And then as soon as their eyes were opened and they recognized that it was Jesus, boom, he was gone. And that leads us to the third point, that Jesus restores their purpose. Jesus restores their purpose. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened to the word? What are we doing here? What are we doing with our back towards Jerusalem? Let's get out of here. And the most dangerous time of the night, they hightail it. I'm telling you, they didn't walk. I believe they did a jog. I believe that they did a jog that would throw anybody off. Why? I got to get back to Jerusalem. I got to get to tell them what Jesus has done. I got to tell them how he found us, where we were walking away and he didn't leave us there but he came and we got to get back there so they came back and they said he's alive he's real he's wonderful he's great and then all of a sudden Jesus appears poof to all of them peace peace be still maybe that's you today maybe you're walking away from him and you wonder does he really care Christian author and speaker Tony Campolo tells a true story he said that he was uh, he was speaking at a uh, Pentecostal college. And he said, before I got ready to speak, he said, uh, eight guys took me in the back room and asked me to kneel down and they wanted to lay their hands on me and pray for me. He said, I told them I always love prayer. That'd be great. He said, but man, they prayed long prayers. And he said, then one of them started praying and didn't even pray for me. He started praying about a guy by the name of Charlie. And he said, this is the prayer that he prayed. Oh, dear Lord, you know Charlie... Stoltfus, that lives just a mile down the road from the church. 
in that silver trailer on the right-hand side of the road. Tony said, I, I wanted to stop and say, God knows where he lives. God knows. But he said, I, I didn't say anything. And he kept praying, and he said, and God, Charlie told me this morning that he's leaving his wife and three kids. Please, God, please don't let him make that mistake. Please don't let him walk away from this church and walk away from his family. Please, Lord, do something. Tony said, after, I, after they finished praying, a long time for me. He said, I ministered that day, and it went real well. Got him a car, heading back home on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And he said, I saw a hitchhiker. And I felt like that I was supposed to pick up the hitchhiker. So he said, I picked him up. He said, we rode for a little while. And he said, I turned to him and said, hi, I'm Tony Campolo. What's your name? He said, my name is Charlie Stolfus. Tony said, the next exit, I made a U-turn, started heading back towards the town. He said, where are you taking me? He said, I'm taking you home. What do you mean you're taking me home? You left your wife and three kids today, didn't you? Yes, sir. How do you know? Eh, God told me. He said, I drove. And he, and he said, the whole time I'm driving, he's plastered up against the side of the door, staring at me, eyes wide, not saying a word. He said, and when I pulled in a mile down the road from the church to the little silver trailer on the right-hand side, he said, he looked at me again and he said how do you know where I lived oh, God told me so he got out and his wife came out the door and she said Charles you haven't left you've come back you've come back and he started whispering in her ear what had happened and her eyes was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and Tony Campolo said I want to talk to you kids in the house now sit down I want to talk to you and you're going to listen to me. And he said, they did listen. And he said, I led them to a real relationship with Jesus. He said, they allowed the Lord to come into their heart. And the Lord restored their life and restored their marriage. You see, God specializes in U-turns. And God specializes in coming to where you are and saying it's time to turn around and come back home. You see, Good Friday leads to Easter. Death leads to new life. Grief leads to hope. Sadness leads to great joy. And the resurrection changes everything. Amen, amen, amen. Would you bow your head with me and would you close your eyes just as a point of concentration about where are you on this journey? The Bible says that we were made by God and we were made for God. You know what that means? That means that we have an internal homing device in our soul that perpetually draws us towards our maker. I call it like a God magnet, always pulling you towards him. Even from when you came out of your mother's womb, there was that that, that desire to be connected with God. You were pre-wired to know Him. But He won't force His way. He'll love you. But I think you say, well, what do I need to do, Terry? Well, we need to do what these two Emmaus followers did. They invited Him in. They said, well, won't you come into our house? Be with us. Cleopas and his companion listened to the voice of truth and invited Him into their home. If you stay in Emmaus with your back towards Jerusalem, you'll never know His grace and His mercy. 
But today, if you'll invite him into your life and surrender your expectations, he'll change your life. I want to pray with you today. Man, you are so special that God would allow you to come today. You know, some of you struggled coming today, and now you know why you did, because the devil didn't want you to hear this message of, of U-turns. But there's some of you here today that it's time for you to make a U-turn. Maybe you haven't gone completely away from him, but you just begin thinking, and you're no longer where you used to be. And there's some here today that you're just totally off on your own, and you need the Lord. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to allow me to pray for you. The only way I know to allow that to pray for you is that you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me, Terry. I need, to, I need to come home. Thank you for that hand going up already and the hand over here. Thank you. Just go ahead and raise your hand and make eye contact with me. Hands going up all over this morning. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Just be honest today, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Others today, thank you in the back over here. Thank you. Hands going up. Maybe somebody watching online right now. That's you. Thank you down front. Thank you. Thank you here in the middle. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being honest today, for responding to his love. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Let me lead us in a prayer today. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, thank you for loving me, for not giving up on me, but coming to where I am. And I invite you in. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. I realize if I kept walking away from you, I was walking into destruction. Nobody can change my life except you. But you'll only do it when I invite you in and really mean it. So I'm not asking just for a good feeling today. I'm asking for a fresh start, a new beginning, in Jesus' name. Church, would you celebrate with us today with those who made that decision? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.